Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family owned and operated, a no pressure, laid back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback, Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, highly questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and the <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback baseball and the Ladybacks. What's up, Razorback Nation? Thanks for tuning in to episode 197 of the one and only Hog Talk podcast, live from the Heinemann Services Studios. My name's Kyle Sutherland, and we thank you for joining us once again, whether you're listening on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Hit that subscribe button if you have not already. Please be sure and also take a couple seconds to leave us a five-star rating and a written review. Help us get our name out there and reach more people. The show, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. They've got you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. Plus, the best part, it's free to sign up. So head over to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% on your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. I'm only going to be with you today for this quick moment. I know some of you are very happy about that, but we got a great show lined up for you nonetheless. Porter Hayes will be talking with Pig Trail Nation Sports Director Jason Carroll, doing a recap on Arkansas's historic softball season. We did some of that on Monday's show, but they're going to be talking a little bit more in depth about that, along with other news in Razorback sports. And to cap it all off in the final segment, uh, Kevin Bohannon will be previewing the Fayetteville Regional this weekend with Razorback baseball color commentator Bubba Carpenter. So I want to thank you guys really quick for being so patient with us. We pride ourselves in being consistent on releasing our shows each Monday and Friday. We've been really good about that, I feel like. For pretty much the past year, for the most part, we haven't really missed a whole lot, but I know over the last couple of weeks, for various reasons, we've been pushing some back a day, and one we actually didn't do at all, but hopefully here in the next few weeks, uh, once things calm down, we'll be fully back on our regular schedules and everything will be back to normal. And so, well, guys, that's all I got for you today. Let's get things rolling. Here's Porter and Jason. Welcome back to episode 196 of the Hog Talk podcast, and we are welcome to join us, Jason Carroll from the Pig Trail Nation. Uh, Jason, I really appreciate the time and taking some time to talk to us about some women's sports this year. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I look, yeah. I look forward to it. We had a really good year. I mean, you look all around. I mean, it wasn't just one sport. You know, women's basketball team made NCAA tournament. Softball did their thing. Gymnastics. Soccer went to the, you know, Sweet 16, and so we had a lot to be thankful for this year when it comes to the women's sports at Arkansas. Well, you got a national championship track, and they, they, they could win another one here in a couple of weeks. So, yeah, it's uh, overall top to bottom. It's been pretty good. And, pretty, yeah, I mean, it's been fun to cover. You know that. I mean, you've been around yeah. covering it too. So, you know, when you have winning teams, they're fun to cover. Yeah, and, and speaking with the softball team, I mean, it, it was a heartbreaking loss. And we've seen, you know, Coach Diefel's speech after the season was over with and just how much she's put into her kids and 
my biggest takeaway with Coach Stifel was no matter what recognition was coming her way, she always deflected it onto her players. She never wanted to take the, the credit for it. And I think that really sets a foundation when you're building a program that I'm never going to make it about me. It's always going to be about y'all. Well, yeah, and I can't remember which player it was. It may have been Lenny after, you know, the game on uh, whatever day that was. They're all kind of <laughs> running, running together now. But, you know, Coach Diefel, like you said, deflected all that towards the players and how they got the program to where it is. And Lenny came back and said, no, Coach. You got the program to where it is. And so it all, I think it all goes hand in hand. But to have that senior leadership, to have those veteran players back this year, led to that run to another uh, Super Regional, the second one in program history. And, and you hope they continue to build on that. Um, the foundation has to be set at some point, And the foundation was set maybe in 2018, but really in, in 2021 uh, for this program to now take itself to new heights and hopefully – one day make it to Oklahoma City, which is where they hoped they would have been this year, but obviously fell a little bit short. And, and you know, we're living in the era right now where the transfer portals, I mean, of course, a lot of talk's been on what Coach Musselman's done with, with the transfer portal, but you look at the women's basketball team and the softball team and just the big similarities between Coach Neighbors and Coach Stifel, where they started to where they're at now. But how do you think that's really helped a, a program like Arkansas utilize the transfer portal because now we're seeing coaches like Gino Ariema coming out who's solidified you know one of the best coaches he's he's against it and I think it's because it's allowed a lot of other programs to really rise to the top and, and show them some competition well it's helped definitely in women's basketball I'll be anxious to see what happens in softball how she might utilize the portal in softball but yeah I mean it it does level out some programs and allow some programs to become better than than maybe they would have been had they stuck with the original roster. So, you know, we coach neighbors has had great success with it and and you know bringing um, another player back in you know this year. So we'll see what happens with softball, but I think it does help women's sports. It, I mean, it helps you know men's and women's, but I think it can really help Arkansas's programs when you or allowing players to come in, you know, that, that one time and, and maybe they see, so who knows, maybe they get some players that we don't know about right now uh, that can help them, you know, next spring. And how much of a success of Arkansas, you've mentioned yesterday when you was on Phil's show about building a brand. And there was some people that didn't even know Arkansas had a softball team until a couple of years ago. So how much success do you think this year has an effect on, trying to dip into that transfer portal and getting these recruits? I think it helps. Um, it helps that Arkansas is on the national stage. I mean, don't think for a second that them playing Arizona, even though they lost, you know, they're they're on national TV, and that helps. Being one of those, those final 16 teams playing on the weekend on national TV helps. So that helps. You also have to build a brand in the state, right? I mean, it starts in state, and – you got to get your fans on board, which I think they're starting to do with that. But then the softball teams, this you know, the youth softball, the high school softball has to get better, and I think it's getting better at the state. So you get players, you know, and I know Braxton went off to Missouri, but you get a player like Braxton Burnside who grew up in the state. Well, how many kids see Braxton and, and say, okay, I can make it to the University of Arkansas? So the softball's got to get better in the state. I think it's getting better. You get the top players in the state, and then you you can go out and pick the other players and, and those other players are coming from that national brand, 
which I think Arkansas is probably on that level now where they're they're one of the top 20 programs in the country. So they're on that national stage to where that brand can can improve your program. And, you know, she she does a great job of recruiting West Coast players because that's where she's from. Maybe that helps get better West Coast players. And so they keep stacking on those West Coast players, those players from California that have helped this turn this program into what it is. Yeah, and it's crazy to think that, you know, Arkansas high school softball, the travel ball is just now in 2021 getting to the point to where you can start picking some of those players. Because, you know, when I was in high school at Ozark in 2000, they were playing slow pitch for state. You know, they wasn't playing fast pitch until 2001. So it's crazy to think that it's taken 20 years. People don't realize how long it would take for a state to catch up to what everybody else has been doing for so many years. Well, it's the talent level thing, too. I mean, and, and and that comes with playing that sport growing up. I mean, you look at basketball on both men's and women's side, basketball in this state, the talent level was very raw several years ago. But now you look on both men's and women's sides, it's probably one of the, you know, populated, you know, with the small population, one of the per capita. Like you look at the players that this state's producing in basketball, I think eventually that state could be that way in softball. It's just going to take a little bit longer. But once it does, this program will will be able to have success because of that. And moving to the women's basketball side of it, I was going to ask you, do you think that it's kind of important that, you know, this year you've got so much in-state talent playing for Arkansas? You've got all these – instead of them spreading out, you know, Sasha was – you know, Oregon State, and you've got a couple. Do you think it benefits more of them playing on the, for the same team that will really spread that awareness of just how good the talent is in Arkansas? I think so. I mean, you saw it on the men's side with, with, that, with that signing class. I think having Alana, having Sasha, having Jersey, having Miriam, I mean, that's going to not – I mean, I don't know how that doesn't help you with the awareness of the talent in state because you look at those, those girls and, I mean – it doesn't get any better than that, really. I mean, it's it's hard to find a collective group of talent from one state. I know it's out there, but it's hard to find like that. And and Mike's got what he needs now, I think, to have some, some success with the in-state players and really build off of that. How, how refreshing do you think that is for Mike that all these in-state kids that used to go to other schools, now they're wanting to come to Arkansas. You get players like Sasha to come back, you know, and – just how much that meant for players like Chelsea Dungy, Jalen Mason, and Amber Ramirez to really build that foundation for this team. Well, it's big, and there's no place like home, right? We hear it all the exactly. time. I think Sasha figured that out and is coming back here. You know, it, it took, you know, somebody getting hired away for Miriam to come back, but I think she realizes that this is going to be the place for her and talking to her. So there's no place like home, and I, and I just think it's, you know, what you said with with Chelsea and Amber and Alexis, you know, and in, another in-state player, Alexis. I mean, she helped kind of set some of that for these in-state girls too. But um, those three really helped turn this program around, and it is an attractive place. I mean, it's all about how attractive is that school to me and what can I do to succeed at that school. And I think they've built that foundation in basketball. I think she's starting to build it in softball. I think Colby Hills built it in, in soccer. So, I mean, there's there's the foundation there for these programs to be successful. And we saw it. At, it's something we've never seen before in 2020, 2021. And hopefully it's, it's that way for all their programs going forward. 
Yeah, and Coach Hill, you know, that's another program we can touch on. You know, what he's done with, you know, Anna Potagil and and um, Parker Goins, people that's come in and really, I mean, they're national, you know, top recruits, and they're coming to a place like Arkansas where it, it's funny that you, the true statement, it's almost cliche but they say once they get the kids on campus, they'll stay. And I think now more than ever, that is ringing true because I've heard so many recruits and so many kids come in from California and Texas and Florida be like, once I stepped on campus, I just, I felt like home. And I think, you know, with the success of all the athletic programs now, the fans just convert from one sport to the other. And it really brings a whole new atmosphere to this, this whole university. Yeah. There's the, the culture has been set for, for the athletic department as a whole. And then it's, branch down to all the coaches, then branch down to the players, and then everybody succeeds, right? I mean, the success of this program this year overall is, is stemmed from the leader, Hunter Yurchek, and then down to the coaches and then the coaches to the players, and everybody's bought into the one Razorback, the uh, we're for each other kind of mantra, and, and they've they've all had success. And, I, and you hope that continues for the future. You hope it's not a one-year wonder thing, but um, – it's just been fun to watch this year about all these programs and how they've kind of gone about their business, succeeded on the field and off the field. And, and really, I think it built the fan base. I mean, the fan base was Arkansas men's basketball, football, baseball, and now it's built into more of, we got a full, full house at soccer. We got a full house at softball. We've got, you know, had basketball been able to have, capacity crowds this year i think women's basketball would have had 10 or eleven thousand at least for a couple of those games and and who knows what would have happened had the ncaa tournament been normal because they would have been a top four seed and, yep. and hosted a bud walton arena and there might have been oh. 15 to sixteen thousand fans there so um you just everything's going well for this program and you just hope hope that it continues and, and i was asking uh, coach neighbors and coach stifle you know we were talking about hunter your and how much that meant to them that not many ADs will really support every single team. You might have a Duke that they're mainly worried about men's basketball or Kentucky basketball and Alabama football, but, you know, it really meant a lot to those coaches to see Hunter Yurchek. And you're talking about the culture, but he lives it. He don't just put out a tweet and he really goes out and supports all these teams. I mean, I think he was on a jet and he went and watched the women's soccer team, you know, so how much do you think that would really help with, with the coaches and really wanting to buy in, it's almost going to turn into a competitive nature between the coaches, but they all have success. Uh, Jordan Weaver said that. She's like, you see all these programs doing good, and it makes them want to do better. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, it starts at the top, and then it works its way down, and Hunter's done a great job of supporting the athletes, the coaches, and, and even the fans of those sports. Um, but then you go down to the next level, which is the coaches supporting the coaches. You hear it over and over again. They have a they have a text string that they have, and they, and they all support each other. They send after a game, win or loss, they're still supporting them. And I think that builds just the camaraderie between everybody in the programs, and and that's what's led to success this year. I mean, success success breeds success, and if one program's having success supporting another program, that program has success, and it just keeps on going down the line. And that's what's kind of happened this year. Yeah, and you've even seen it with the volleyball program. I mean. Programs like the volleyball team and the swimming tie, women's tennis, like they're not used to having any success at all. And now they're sweeping, you know, volleyball had three sweeps. You know, they're make they normal circumstances, they would have made the NCAA tournament. Women's tennis, 
the Indiana Spink went to the national uh, women's golf. I mean, all these sports that have done really well, I think it's sparking other teams to really start to buy in. And you're going to see a lot more teams ranked because uh, I think it was back in the spring sometime, every spring sport was ranked. And yeah. I don't think any, not many schools can say that about all their spring programs. Yeah. It's, it's, again, it goes back to, it's just fun to watch. It's fun to watch the individual successes of these athletes turn into team success of the athletes of the teams then turn into program success overall. I mean, how many SEC championships did they add this year? How many top 25 finishes? How many, I mean, it's just, you can go on and on and on about everything that these programs did, um, which, you know, led to a successful year overall for the program. And I just, I just feel like it started at the top and it's worked its way down. And, and, and that's where you seek success, right? The best leaders are the ones that, that breeds success below them. And, and I think that Hunter did that and it's kind of gone on to everybody else. And it started with soccer in the fall and, and, um, you know, cross country winning and track indoor track winning. And it's just, you know, everything's happened. And it's, it's just been a breath of fresh air, especially with what we had to deal with in 2020. Exactly. I'm going to kind of bring up your side of things and, you know, y'all have been a fixture in women's sports for a long time, you know, one of the few that really is a mainstay in the women's sports and how awesome is it for y'all? You know, y'all put so much time and energy into promoting women's sports and to see the growth of every single program. I mean, how, how rewarding you look back at it now is all the women's sports are over for the year that you can really look at all these programs and just be proud of what they've accomplished. Well, you're always proud of it, right? Cause you want to, you want to see the teams you cover have success. I mean, you can, you can be a fan even being in the media because you want, you, you want to cover successful people, successful teams. I mean, one of the best relationships I have with the coaches on campus is Lance Harder. Um, he and I have a really good relationship and have for a long time. And so seeing him have success, I mean, I, I've joked with him, you, you're like a fine wine. You get better with age because, you know, he had won a lot of conference championships, but then the last five or six years, he's won a national titles. Um, Colby Hell is a great guy. I can sit down and have a conversation with Colby, and you see him having success, winning an SEC championship. Um, Jordan, you know, getting that program where she wants it. I think she's building it, you know, the way she wants it, and they're seeing more and more success. Um, so, yeah, it's it's always good to the teams you cover to have success and to see – um, you know, those relationships that ships that you build, I mean, it's, it's always, it's always good to, you know, foster those relationships and then see, see success. And for us, you know, it's, it's what you do, right. You cover the sports on campus and that's what we've, we've tried to do. Um, you know, it's not a lot of people want to do it because it's not, you know, there's not a lot back there. I mean, again, the fan bases on a lot of these sports aren't necessarily where you'd like to see them, but I think they're building up. So you have to cater your stuff towards what the viewers want, but we've tried to do a good job of covering all the sports on campus as much as possible. And that's another thing I wanted to bring up. You know, it's when I first started covering the basketball team, you know, when you would go to these games and you would see a few media here and then they'd be at the major games, but you know, you, Alyssa, and Tara, and I've got to know all three of y'all pretty well, you know, covering the women's sports. And I think from us at the Hog Talk, we really appreciate 
what y'all do because it kind of gives us something to look up to. Like what, what do we want to be as covering women's sports and how do we want to reach a goal? And I think the coverage that you give, it's putting it on a much bigger platform than we could ever do. Well, I appreciate it. But again, we're just trying to highlight the athletes and the teams and, and that's what everybody should do. And you guys are doing a good job with it as well. So moving forward, what do you think is the biggest step like next year? Try, I mean, how hard is it going to be to really try to not really replicate, but, but tr- continue all the success for all these sports? Well, I think you look at – so, like, let's look at women's basketball first, right? They fell a lot shorter than what they felt like they should do. So, for them, it's, okay, we're going to get back to the tournament. Now let's win a game or two in the tournament and advance to the second weekend. Or just win a game. I mean, it's been a long time since they've won a game in the tournament. So, for the women's basketball team, it's get to the tournament, win at least a game, maybe two, and get to the Sweet 16. Um, for soccer, it's win the soccer tournament. Win the SEC soccer tournament. That, that's been their, like their Achilles heel for as long as we can. I mean, they haven't won it. Let's win it. And let's make some noise in the NCAA tournament, maybe past what we have. But I think a goal would be win the SEC tournament because they haven't done it. They've been in the championship game more than anybody, it seems like, and can't win it. So for them, it's that. Um, let's look at women's golf. Let's, let's make it to you know they fell a little short this year let's make it to the championships and maybe make it to the match play um for tennis they're gonna have a new coach so what's that gonna be like for them um for volleyball they would have been in the tournament like you said let's make it to the tournament let's let's make it to the tournament i think everything will be normal let's make it back to the tournament and see what we can do um let's see softball let's let's try to make it to another super regional and and maybe maybe win those two games, two out of three in a Super Regional and make it to Oklahoma City because that's the ultimate goal. Courtney said it over and over again. That's where we want to be. That's where we expect to be. So can they do that? Because it's it's hard to make it to a Super Regional because, you, I mean, everything's set up for them to host. You want to try to host again because you don't want to go to Oklahoma because that's where they'll probably ship mm-hmm. you. You don't yeah. want to go to Oklahoma. So can you keep can you keep making it to and host in Super Regionals? Because I think that that's where you get your program to where you want to be is getting it to where you're hosting super regionals year in and year out because you want to be like Arizona, right? I mean, Arizona's made it to 23, 20, now 24 College World oh. Series. And and so you want to you wanna be like them. And that's that you, you, you got to beat those programs to be like them. And so hopefully they can do that. Um, what sports am I leaving out? Um, well, you got, you got track and field. Well, They're track, solidified. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> You know, it's tough because now now the expectations win in a national championship and maybe they'll do that. I mean, they still got one more meet to go this year and then, you know, who knows what happens next year. So track, you know, always is going to be in that national conversation. Um, so, you know, a lot of these programs, you just you want to you want to build on the success. So can you equal it and build on it? And I think that's got to be the goal. We've got to get back to where we were and then try to build on that success because you don't want to take a step back because it's hard to get back. Exactly. And, and one last thing, I'm just, you know, sitting here thinking as we're talking, it was like SEC's always been known for the football. But I think we've noticed that in it seems like every sport, the SEC is starting to be – it's starting to turn into monopoly. You know, SEC's getting more bids in softball. The more teams in women's basketball, you know, golf – we've seen in soccer with Vanderbilt. I mean, 
just how much harder do you think it is when we're trying to set foundations and get better, but you're playing also in the toughest conference in the nation? It's more like the recruiting part of it's the tougher part because now you're trying to recruit the best athletes every, every year to keep up with everybody else doing the same thing. And then once you get them on campus, you got to coach them. But it's hard. It's hard to compete in this league in every sport because everybody's good. Um, the, even the bottom feeders of the league, the, the bottom four or five teams are still going to be really good. Um, so it's tough because it's all about wins, right? I mean, if softball loses five more games, they're playing in Oklahoma last weekend instead of playing in Fayetteville, Arkansas. So the, the level of play you have to do game in and game out, the level of coaching, I mean, the coaching is better in every sport in this league than, than every other every other league in the country and that's why it's so tough to win um so it's it's tough to do but i think if you build the mindset and the mentality that hey we're good and we're going to go out there and beat you every time we play and it may not happen but i think that foundation has been set by these coaches that are very competitive on campus that we're going to do everything we can to be in the situations we can to win games be in the ncaa tournaments and win national championships May not happen, but they've set the foundation for that. Well, Jason, I really appreciate your time. I know right now is busy with, you know, the regionals coming up and all stuff that goes on with KNWA and being a, a sports director. But again, I appreciate your time and everything that Pictorial Nation's doing for women's sports at Arkansas. You're welcome, Porter, man. It's been fun. Well, that will do it for this segment. After the break, we'll have Kyle and Cabo coming up. We'll catch you after the break. Listen and watch Arkansas Game Day and Hog Reaction only at Walk-Ons, 4306 Phoenix Avenue in Fort Smith. With American National, you get a dedicated agent who will help you make well-informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle. Call us today for a free review of your commercial, home, and auto policies, or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance. Let the Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com Call us at 501-428-0877 or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479 479- Tackle your to-do list without breaking your back or getting your hands dirty by calling Heinemann Services. Located in Northwest Arkansas, Heinemann Services is your premier company to get those projects done that you've been putting off. Whether small remodels, lawn care, carpentry, and much more, they take care of you in a timely manner with exceptional customer service. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. Welcome back to episode 197 of the Hog Talk Podcast. This is the coach, Kevin Bohannon, joined by my good friend and the man who puts the color and color analyst for the Razorback baseball team, Bubba Carpenter. Welcome back, Bubba. Kevin, how you doing, buddy? Good to have me. Thanks for having me back. Hey, man. Thank you so much. I know you're a busy man, especially this time of the year. What a time it is to be around the Razorback baseball program. 
you know, Kevin, it's so exciting around here right now. We had, just being in, in Hoover was unbelievable. I say it every time we go there. It's it's such a great baseball environment and just to see the talent on the field. But then more importantly, see how the Razorbacks kind of came together. And boy, they played some of their best baseball they played all season. Some guys really stepped up big. And it's just uh, it's exciting, man. And there's a buzz. There's definitely a buzz around town right now. We can't wait to get started uh, Friday at two o'clock. I said in the Tennessee series, I think it was the Sunday game or the last game, whenever that was. I know we've had crazy weekends with rain and schedules being messed up. But when we won that game and showed some resiliency after getting walked off the day before, that that was the turning point of this team to where they're going to learn from that game and that experience moving forward. Do you think we saw that in Hoover with it was, you know, it was just complete domination, it seemed like. Yeah, you know, I think you're right. I think that was a huge test for them when they came out that next day. I mean, that was a tough loss, uh, the way everything went down. And I tell you what, I, I really do. I, I agree with you 100%. I think I, I think that – I don't know if that was – you know, you can look and say that was a turning point. I mean, they've found ways to win all year. But it's like from that point on, they've just come together and they've been a different team. And, boy, in Hoover, it's – it's amazing to watch different guys come through in a clutch. You know, one guy goes out, someone else steps in his spot and does a job for him. And, uh, man, it's, it's, it's a special group of players, a special group of coaches. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a fun weekend, man. Yeah, let's talk about some of the guys that stepped up. And I know one of them being a favorite of mine and a favorite of yours, Ethan Bates. Uh, he really stepped up. Vanderbilt first at bat off Kumar Rocker gets an RBI single. Charlie Welch stepped up. Matt Goodhart played outfield, which he hasn't played a whole lot of. Just talk about some of those guys that have really stepped up their game just to show how deep this Arkansas roster is. I mean, you look at how we won, Kevin. We won with uh, Matt Goodhart in left field. You had Ethan Bates in right. You had Caden Wallace at third. You had Colin Smith at first. Guys that really haven't played those positions just a few times all year. Goodhart hadn't played left all year, and uh, I don't think Ethan's played right but one game. And, and that's how we won a huge game um, against Vanderbilt. I mean, it's just, uh, you, you know, and, and to see those guys step up, I mean, we know we're strong up the middle, but to see the depth and the talent on this team to be able to do what Dave Van Horn did in a couple of those games, just the way he kind of shuffled the lineup to, to – you know, pick up the slack when Brady Slavens went down. It's just amazing to me. And, you know, Ethan Bates was great. That was a huge at bat off of Kumar Rocker. Um, you know, Matt Goodhart, same with him, you know, worked the count, got a good pitch, drove it to left center for a double. Uh, there were just so many big time players that, that, that really bowed their neck in that game against Vanderbilt. And then from there, it just kind of, you know, uh, it just kind of, they just rolled from that point on and, uh, you know, but they've done it all year and you expect it. Um, you know, and, and to talk about the pitching staff, Connor Nolan yeah. was, was awesome. Uh, Heston Toll coming in a bases loaded situation uh, to face Tim Elko with one out. And uh, he really just abused him. Uh, fast, fastball in, a couple sliders away, and just carved him up. And Tim Elko's, you know, one of the best power guys in the country. You know, and, and you know, you see uh, Connor Nolan coming in, three innings, no hit. Uh, to close out the game against Ole Miss, just just was dominant. And boy, you love seeing you you love seeing guys like that come in and do a job. 
Uh, I've said all, all year that Connor Nolan's got something special inside of him that it may not jump off the charts analytically, but he's got something inside of him that the analytics don't, you know, don't show. And boy, he really, he really bowed up and did a great job for us. And it's good to have him back. Um, so, you know, just a lot of, just a lot of guys stepped up and that's that you've come to expect it out of this team. Do you, you know, speaking of Connor Nolan, do you think he is better in that three to four inning role to where he only has to go through a lineup one time versus being a starter? I tell you, the stuff he had against Ole Miss, he could have gone through that lineup three times. And okay. uh, he yeah. was just really good. I like what Matt Hobbs said. I was reading something that he said about Connor. He switched to a one-seam fastball, and he's Got getting it. a lot more movement on that pitch. And there's one example I remember. There was a runner first, uh, Kevin Graham's up, the three-hole hitter for Ole Miss, and he threw him a two-seamer. And it started right down the middle of the plate, and the bottom just fell out of it uh, – uh, Graham rolled over six four three double play, and I even said something to Phil. I was like, "Man, did you see the movement on that pitch? They showed it from behind home plate, and it was crazy the amount of of sink down and away from the left handed batter he got. And that's just a great pitch, and he was able to use that pitch. And then he had his breaking ball back again, mixed in a couple of good change ups. So uh, it it was a it was a great outing for him. So if he's got that combo working, uh, he could start. He could relieve. I think he could do about anything with him. And that and that's kind of been the knock uh, from my perspective on Connor is he didn't really have the arsenal or the pitches to get left-handed batters out because he didn't have that run he didn't have that sink but now he's kind of incorporated that into his his pitching repertoire that he can get them out now obviously Kevin Graham's one of the best hitters in the SEC and done well against everybody this year so that was really big oh it was huge and you know and and. Connor, like I said, just has something special. He he looked like the old Connor Nolan when he stepped on the mound. Man, he his mound presence was just – it was awesome watching him go out there just confident. And I was really glad Dave stuck with him in that ninth inning. I know Costu was up in the pit, but Dave stuck with him in that ninth inning. and He went out and just shoved it. And uh, it was just a dominant performance. And hopefully we can keep – you know, we can build off of that with, with Zebulon and Peyton Paulette possibly you know Zeb may be out we don't know how long but you know with Peyton gone we really need guys to step up like Connor Nolan did yeah and one of the things that may be concerning for some people was Caden Monk down in Hoover was that a mental block or comfortability thing on the mound where he just couldn't get a feel I was talking to Randy Rainwater last night and he said is it mental or physical and I said sometimes you just don't have a feel for it you don't have a feel for your pitches the ball feels funny it feels like it's got you know, 128 stitches instead of the normal amount. And what's going on with him right now? <laughs> well, I think it's mental. I really yeah. do. Um, I, I think he got squeezed a couple of times on a couple of fastballs. You know, his his fastballs got natural cut when he throws yeah. the glove side. It's backwards. And I think he got – yeah, he got squeezed a little bit on that, that, that side of the plate, and I really think it affected him. And then he started trying to make a perfect pitch, and when you try to do that, you, you, you don't – it just doesn't work. And I, I really think it's just mental. Um, and he started missing to that glove side, and, you know, I, I think he's going to be fine this weekend. I actually talked to Zach Barr. And Zach said he threw a pin. It looked great. And so yeah, he's going to be fine. And, and, and he's a huge weapon out of that pin. You look at the numbers, you know, that lefties are hitting against him. It's, it's under 100. And yeah. then righties aren't doing much better. So he's a huge weapon for us late in the game. And uh, I, th I think he's going to be fine.
collegiate baseball newspaper just announced their national player of the year. And to no surprise, it was Kevin Copps, the first relief pitcher ever to be named player of the year by that publication. Um, it wouldn't be a, a hog talk podcast episode if we just didn't talk about him for just a second. Uh, what's going on, man? Is this, is this the most dominant performance in Arkansas history? 100% Kevin, without a doubt. I've never seen a guy dominate college baseball, college hitters like Kevin Copps is. Um, and look, it, the, the cutter's good. It's nasty, but he's got other pitches he can throw too. He yeah. showed it in Hoover. You, if you're sitting on that cutter, he'll throw a fastball by you. Um, he's got a two-seam fastball. He tunnels off of that cutter, and so it's a great pitch complement. Uh, they really complement each other. He can he, this the pitch sequence. Then he's got a breaking ball. He can mix in a change. I like his his uh, twelve-six breaking ball. He can mix in as well. So he's got other weapons. But the cutter is ridiculous, and and I love what Matt Hobbs says about it. He can spin it on three different axes, which, you know, it's just crazy to think about that, how you can spin the same pitch three different ways. And so you get three different outcomes, but when it's coming out of his hand, it looks exactly the same. And you see guys, like Vanderbilt hitters are walking back to the dugout, shaking their head like, what, what just <laughs> happened? Yeah. You know, and I mean, those are the, a few of the best hitters in baseball. Uh, swung and missed three times like and and they look they just look lost and uh so it, it really is i've never seen someone dominate the game of baseball like kevin cops is right now and and look here's here's what i love about it look at the year he had last year yeah i mean it was questionable whether or not he was going to come back at least that's that was my perception uh with the year he had last year but but he went off he worked this off season um and man, I just love the kid. The fact that he went and, and worked so hard, put in so much time, and then and then it's paying off this year. I love to see it, and uh, and that's the beauty of of baseball. Kevin is look, man. It, you know, sometimes when you fail, it, it makes you better. And you fail a lot in the game of baseball. And boy, to see him come back and do what he's doing this year, I, I love him for that. And uh, it's a it's a it's it's a, it's fun to watch him go out night in and and, and work like that. Yeah, and I said it the other day that on our Monday show that if, if Arkansas does complete this run, that it's going to be the most complete team accomplishment in, in my generation, which, you know, it includes the 93-94 team. But it all starts this weekend with the regional in Fayetteville. It's going to be a packed house. we got tailgating. Uh, the AD said – we're going to have tailgating out in the hog pen. So it's going to be the atmosphere that some of these kids have been pining for since they signed that letter of intent. So let's talk about some potential matchups. First of all, uh, the New Jersey Institute of Technology Highlanders. Talk a little bit about their team and what Razorback fans can expect to see from them. Well, I mean, they're going to be a scrappy team. You know, they've got some guys that can pitch. They've got some really good numbers in some of their pitching staff. Uh, offensive, they've got some guys that can hit, they can run. Um, you know, I think people people take it for granted. We're just going to walk through this thing. Well, you know how the game of baseball works, Kevin. Anything can happen yep. on any given day. I mean, we could line out ten times, and and they could have ten little bleeders fall in. I mean, anything can happen. So you can't overlook anybody. Um, so look, we we got to approach this and, and and like we would any other game and go out there and, and play Razorback baseball. If we play Razorback baseball, we're, we're going to be in good shape. Yeah, they've won nine of their last – they've won their not last nine games, including two in the tournament, of course, which was ended on uh, inclement weather. 
Stony Brook was the American East regular season champion, but they've won 18 of their last 22 games. They have their own version of Kevin Cox out of the bullpen with Jake Rappaport. He's a lefty. And from the video that I've seen, Bubba, the, the comparison I would make is to Tennessee's closer. The, the kid that's about 5'11", 185, doesn't throw anything over the white, stays on the black. He's 8-2 and two with 11 saves on the year. And he just doesn't overpower you, but he makes you hit where you don't want to. He makes you overswing. He makes you roll over, pop up. And, and that's the kind of guy that they have out of the bullpen, which is their version of Kevin Copps. Right. And guys like that are really scary because, look, they, he doesn't care. If he, he's not trying to strike you out. He's just trying to get weak contact. And those yep. are the guys that are dangerous. And so you get a guy like that in a game, he can go a few innings on you. And so, you know, but but the thing that's really special about this Arkansas lineup is they're they're great at making adjustments. Uh, Nate Thompson and his staff have done a great job with the hitters, with their scouting reports. And you may get us out one time through the lineup, but I tell you, they're great at making adjustments. And I've watched them do it all year against some of the best pitchers in the nation. And I think I think once once they get a look at a guy, you know, you, you see him that second time. I think we got him. Yeah. I mean, you just go back to the SEC championship game where Will Heflin was cruising through four innings. And then that second time through the lineup where you got to the meat of that order, it just turned it on. Of course, Jalen Battles had the, the, the big knock to, you know, get a home home run, get us on the board. And then how about Cullen Smith? He was the one that you and I talked about with Phil at the beginning of the season uh, on offense that you needed to look out for and just talk about his performance. And is, is he p- finally playing up to his potential? Oh, he definitely is. He's, you know, for him to step up and go to that three hole, first of all, he had to move from third base over to first base, uh, which he did a great job at first all weekend in Hoover. Uh, but some of his at bats were just huge at bats and, and we knew he had it in him you know, all along, you know, and the thing I like about Cullen is he's a guy that he's just so he's likable. I think the players all like him. Um, He's that good clubhouse personality, fun loving guy, but he's got a fire in him. And when he steps out on the field, you can see it. When he steps up to the plate, it's him against that pitcher. And I, I love watching him go up to the plate and compete, Um, you know, and, and, and his energy that he brings. You know, when he hit one, that first home run, I mean, it was amazing. Watch him go around the bases, just a fire yeah. in him. And, you know, so for him to step up like that, I knew he could, I knew he could do it. Uh, it was just a matter of time till he got hot. And, uh, you know, he's done a great job for us. And if you look, good teams, we've been pretty lucky this year. We've been fortunate. We haven't had a lot of injuries. But when Brady went down, I had a sick feeling in my stomach. He goes, that's a big, that's a big bat in the middle of that lineup. And Colin just jumped right in that three-hole, picked up the slack. Uh, other guys did their jobs, like Ethan Bates, Charlie Wells, Goodhart got some good good ABs in. I mean, so, you know, that's what the good teams do, and that's why this team's number one in the nation. That's why, you know, all year they've had a bullseye on their back, and they've just gone out and just continued to win games. I think Phil Elson said it best when he said, this team just does not know how to lose. I think right. that was a great line that he had, and I think it's so true about this team. And I know you and I have talked about it during our weekly conversations, and we haven't seen this the whole lineup click at the same time yet this year. And that may not happen. It may just be to where two or three of them are hot during a weekend. But what would it look like if all five or five five or more players got hot at the same time? What would that What would the end of the game look like? 
Well, we'd be playing the last game in Omaha is what would happen if, if, if everyone gets hot at the same time. It's a special lineup, Kevin. Yeah. And here's what I like about the team. Look, I'm, I, I talk about it all the time. I'm a money ball guy. Get on base. Right. I yep. like guys that get on base. I don't like strikeouts. I love power too and that's a combination you don't see a lot you know this team is their on base percentage their walks and their home runs i mean that's three things that that is really special about this team they get good pitches and when they do they hammer it um but they're not going to swing at a pitcher's pitch you know they're going to be patient and get their pitch and when they do they bust it and the thing is when let's just say one guy's struggling let's say christian franklin is struggling he's still finding ways to get on base he might be Oh, for two, but he, he walks three times, you know, and, and that's why this lineup is so tough. Even when guys aren't getting base hits, they're finding ways to get on base. And, um, and you know, that's why, that's why they win. That's why it's such a tough lineup to maneuver. You look at a, a team's uh, starting pitcher against us, you get them in the fifth inning, they're already at 98 pitches, you know, a hundred pitches. I mean, they just go up there and they battle and they, they find a way to get it done. Yeah. And, a lot of people overlook it. Yeah, we've been ranked number one for 75% of the season. That's the lar- the largest time frame that anybody's been ranked number one in college baseball over in this generation with so many polls. But this team is ranked in the top 25 in so many different categories. The ERA is now under, under four. We're at 3.8. Uh, walk. You talk about walks, runs, home runs. They just find so many ways to beat you, and I think that's what makes this this run so special is they beat you your way and they beat you their way. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. You know, it's it's amazing. You know, there's there's games where if we need to play small ball, we'll play small ball. Um, you know, we'll hit the ball the other way and move a runner. We'll lay down a bunt. We'll safety squeeze. But then if we need a three-run jack, guys will hunt a pitch up in the zone, and they'll hit a three-run jack. And it just really makes this lineup so tough. And I can tell you, we can bite you one through nine. And mm-hmm. if we don't get you one through nine, we got a couple guys that we can roll out of the bench. Uh, they're going to come up there and get a big knock for you. So I really think it's just an unselfish approach. And once again, it's a, it's a testament to, to Nate Thompson uh, and, and the, his staff or what they do there. They put in so much time that people don't even realize when it comes to the scouting side of it. They scout the other pitchers. They know exactly what they're going to do. Um, they work on an approach to face a certain pitcher, and they go out and they execute it. And I wish people knew all the time and work that went into just a Razorback game or a Razorback regional um, because it's it's crazy all the work that goes in that, that no one sees before the game even starts. And, uh, you know, I, I say it all the time. You know, Dave Van Horn, the coach of the year, hell yeah. But I love the what, what he did. When he was coach of the year, he, he gave credit to his staff, you yep. know. And when he when he gets an award for winning a bunch of games, you know, uh, well, I just got good players, you know, <laughs> he he he's he he passes it on to them. And that's that's the way the team plays. It's just kind of an unselfish approach from top to bottom. And if, if one guy doesn't doesn't get a pitch, he'll take his walk, let the next guy do it. And uh, for me as a hitting guy, I love it. It's so much fun to sit up in the booth and watch these guys work every night. Yeah, and it's not just the starter that they're going to face or the closer. It's every single pitcher on the pitching staff on all three teams that they already have scouting reports on. It'll be interesting when a guy comes in the bullpen and that camera pans to the on-deck circle. Nate is over there with the hitters that's 
in the box, on deck, in the hole, and after him, and they got the notes in front of them. That that's extra level preparedness that it's so fun to see for guys like you and me. Oh, it is, and it, it's funny, Kevin, because you know I'll talk to guys that I played with back in the day, and 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 we'll talk about our scouting report. And it's no knock against you know baseball in the '90s, but we just didn't have this much technology. We didn't have yeah. all this technology. So a guy would come in, and we'd all huddle around. We okay. There's a fastball. Oh, he's got a slider. Oh, there's a change. Okay. And that was our scouting report watching him warm up, you know, before he came in a game. And it's just so different how things have changed. And, uh, you know, but, you know, you can have all the technology in the world, but you still have the, the, have the staff that can apply that technology to the team. And that's what makes this Razorback coaching staff so special. And the execution, no doubt. So before we let you go, I know, we are all expecting Arkansas to win this regional. Who is going to be the toughest team that they'll face, and who's going to be the team that we have to beat out to get to next weekend? Well, everyone's just kind of assuming we're going to play Nebraska Saturday night. Right. But you look at Northeastern. I mean, mm-hmm. Mike Glavin's their coach. I mean, you know, we all know who his brother is, Hall of Fame pitcher Tom Glavin. Yep. Look, it's a pitch. If, if pitching and defense wins, then Northeastern's going to be really tough because their pitching staff, I think they're, I want to say they're ranked third nationally, earn run average. Yep. Um, they've got guys, they've got their fielding percentage is 980. Um, so they, they pitch and they play good defense. And then they've got some guys that can swing it also. So look, it's, I think they're going to be a tough team, to be honest with you. Um, I know more about them than I do about Nebraska, but just watching, looking at their stats and, and looking over some numbers, they're, they're going to be a tough team. They, they do have some guys that can throw, uh, like I said, the pitch and defense part of it. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But I think ultimately, you know, Razorbacks are going to win this regional. If we go out and take care of business, play Razorback baseball, I can't imagine a team beating us once, much less twice. And so, you know, I, I think we're in a really good spot right now. And uh, and I, I know the fans are excited. The guys are super excited to be back here at Baum Walker. It's going to be absolutely crazy uh, this weekend. And I'll tell you, Kevin, I can't wait, man. I'm looking forward to it. Yep. Hey, man, I greatly appreciate you coming back on. We'll uh, we'll let you get back to getting getting the field ready for this weekend and getting ready for getting in the booth. But thank you so much, Bubba. Sounds good, Kevin. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Go Hogs. You bet. And for Bubba Carpenter, this is Kevin Bohan. And make sure you subscribe, rate, review. We'll see you next time. Go Hogs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.